Influence, the global podcast that shines a spotlight on the influencer marketing industry. Welcome to Influence, the global podcast that shines a spotlight on the influencer marketing industry. I'm Gordon Glenister, and over the next few episodes, I'll be speaking in depth with some of the industry's leading brands, platforms, and influencers themselves, starting today with Tom Organthaler. So Tom is one of the top 50 practitioners in the industry and consults with companies like HP, Time, and Adobe. He's also the founder of the Influencer Marketer, which is a premier resource for corporate marketers, agencies, and business owners to know a little bit more about how to use influencer marketing as a strategy that drives awareness and demand gen. You can learn about this by uh, searching online for theinfluencermarketer.com. So I started, first of all, by asking Tom a little bit about his background. I've been in the business for over 10 years, and I've, I started when I was at HP. I was a PR manager when I was there, and I was handling consumer laptops uh, product uh, for them on a worldwide level. So there wasn't an announcement that went out about a consumer laptop that I didn't have my, you know, fingerprints on to one degree or another. And while I was there, uh, something happened with the economy. You'll probably remember this, it's like 2008, nine around there where, you know, the whole crisis came into play and banks were failing oh and my God, yeah, absolutely. You know, all that Jeez. kind of crap. And it was really pretty scary. But, uh, you know, from a from the point of view of where I sat within the organization, um, it presented some new difficulties. And the difficulties included the fact that a lot of the journalists were losing jobs because the magazines they were employed with were going under. So one of two things happened. Either the magazine folded or the magazine went into an quote unquote online format, which in those days, 2008, nine, was sort of like, eh, you're not really that real anymore, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you're not yeah. real publication. <laughs> so that's when I started getting involved with influencers because I needed to figure out a way to get the word out about my products uh, because there weren't as many publications anymore. They were, they were gone. A lot of the journalists that I worked with were at jump ship and I don't know, they went to other jobs or something, different careers. So I had to figure out a way around that. And the way around that was at the time bloggers. And then from there, I left HP in 2009 and I joined a small consultancy that specialized in influencers. And from there, I got involved in B2B influencer marketing, which is where I've pretty much been focused ever since. It's a niche within a niche, and it has a high barrier for entry, so it's harder to get into it, and it's harder to become an expert in it unless you've done it. Mm. Um, so, uh, you know, it's not just a matter of getting some inf Instagram influencers to promote your stuff, right? I mean, it's yeah. a lot harder to find the influencers, vet them, assess them, uh, recruit them. And, uh, you know, all those good things. So yeah. that's and then I uh, in 2016, I jumped ship from there and I've been out on my own since. So I'm a consultant, contractor and work mainly with B2Bs and agencies how to work with B2Bs. Yeah. So what have you I mean, with that, with that sort of level of experience, what, what do you think? What are you noticing as some of the key trends facing influencer marketing now? 
one of the trends, unlike what media will tell you out there, I do not see an end to influencer marketing anytime soon. Mm. Uh, I, I believe that it's still very nascent and uh, we have yet to see its full potential um, because the tools are getting better out there, the measurements getting better, the tracking's getting better. We can figure out where visitors are going much better than we ever could even you know five years ago for for god's sake mm. um so all the measurement is going to get better um the platforms themselves well let's let's put it this way so from the marketer's point of view the measurement's going to get better and the accountability is going to get better the roi is going to get better um because all those tools and everything are improving on a daily basis pretty much from an influencer standpoint things are changing too the platforms are starting to get wise to a lot of the tricks they're taking note of all the complaints you know i'm talking about fake followers fake engagement yeah. you know comment pods all these kinds of yeah. tricks and things to sort of boost your engagement or make you look more popular than you really are and I, and now that they're you know Instagram is hiding likes, uh, Twitter did that years ago. Do you remember? Mm -hmm. Twitter stopped yeah. showing how yeah. many shares yeah. you were getting all these little you know <clears throat> share buttons a long time ago. So they stopped that, and it didn't kill the platform. So Instagram's doing that. So I think that there's going to be greater accountability in 2020 from influencers than ever before. Mm. Uh, also, with Facebook instituting its own uh, what do you want to call it? Uh, access platform to to influencers that that operate there and on F Instagram, I think you're going to see a lot of the the platforms that are third party platforms out there that are, you know, thinly funded collapse, which I think is a good thing because I think that you know quality over quantity is always preferable anyway. Mm -hmm. I'd rather 200 really good tools and platforms out there to use as opposed to 750 or whatever it is. Yeah. Let's let's put it this way. Let's equate it to something. Let's equate it to the PR industry, okay? That's a well-established industry. It's been around for, geez, 100 years, right? Mm -hmm. um, been around a long time. So to this day, uh, corporations, brands still need the help of PR agencies and consultants. Yeah. They still do, yeah, right? Do. Yeah. And that's a well-established industry. So when we're talking about something as nascent as influencer marketing, right, which is which – is, in, in many ways, a little bit more complex than PR because you're actually doing marketing here. We're not just talking about, you know, interacting with the media, mainstream media or even online media. Uh, we're talking about, you know, operating with individuals instead of, you know, media companies. Uh, there's a long way to go. Uh, so I think the need for agencies and consultants is going to stick around for forever. I, I don't see it going away. I think they're all also in a better position to be able to su support metrics and measurement and, and really advise people on what tools that they can best use because there's so much out there, isn't there? There is, and it's hard to tell what tools to use at times, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, I mean, sure. it's so yeah. many. I mean, and, and I think, uh, you know, as others have noted out there, the there's such an influx of data now that it's difficult to parse, well, what data should I even be looking at? Mm. What data is important to mm. me in my program? Mm. Mm. And, uh, you know, I think an agency or a consultant can really be a big help in terms of parsing through all of that and focusing on what matters as opposed to what doesn't matter. 
Yeah. And brands need a lot of help with that. Um, you know, a lot of brands are thinly stretched. You know, they don't have a lot of them don't have a lot, you know, big headcounts in these departments like social media and, uh, you know, influencer marketing and, you know, even PR. PR teams are, are tend to be very thin mm-hmm. uh, in, in some of these companies. So the, the need for an agency or consultancy is is still very strong. I think now some of the very bigger companies they are creating influencer marketing roles, aren't they? Specifically, we're, we're starting to see that a little bit. And when you get brands like sort of Estee Lauder saying they're going to spend 75% of their advertising revenue, um, advertising budget rather, in um, in influencer marketing, that's a big statement. Uh, and, and yeah, those are a huge statement. <laughs> isn't it? Um, which is good for all of us, quite frankly, because I think we can all ride off the back of that and say, look, this is a big brand making that sort of uh, noise. Then shouldn't you be considering it? There are recruitment specialists in this country that work in the influencer space and, and they're starting to see more very dedicated and specific roles crop up uh, in, in-house. So I thought that was quite an interesting development. It is. And I'm encouraged by it. Um, I think that, and and that's true of, of consumer companies as well as B2B companies. Mm. Um, they need to have some people on staff who understand this stuff and can manage an agency mm. because once you say, I don't, I do not agree with the model where you just outsource everything to an agency because then there's no knowledge capital residing within your organization itself. Yes. And that's not good. Mm. Um, there has to be some knowledge capital residing within your organization so that everything can be managed uh, as well as it can be. Now, you know, agencies and consultants, you know, like me, are, are really extensions of that. And we can bring in some outside perspective, which is very helpful, I think, mm-hmm. because inside of a brand, I've operated inside of some big brands before, and they tend to get very insular. You know, they, they get very insular in their thinking and they're only caring about what the other silos think rather than, well, what does the customer think? You know, <laughs> what, yeah, what, is, yeah. what are the needs of our, our constituency out there? Mm-hmm. I mean, what about content as well? Before long, Facebook is almost going to be an entire video platform. Um, do, do you see more and more brands using IG stories and, 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 and video more widespread? Oh, yeah. And I think it, it's natural. It makes a lot of sense. Um, video is a terrific way to sort of bridge that gap between you, if you're an influencer or even a brand, but and, and the customer. I think they, you know, you can put a human face on something that the written word isn't able to do quite as well. Mm. Uh, so that's not to say that long form content in the form of written blog posts and articles and stuff is going to go away anytime soon. I don't think it is. Uh, I think that it will just be sort of meshed, melded with video better going forward. Mm. Um, Also, as tools get implemented where video can be analyzed for keywords and such through, you know, I, I think that that will be that will be a big help too, and that will that will just boost that will boost the uh, the, the the use of video even further. But another another platform we're seeing too is the podcast audio. Yeah, oh for sure. Um, yeah, podcast. I remember podcasts were the rage like back in like two thousand seven, six, seven, eight. Then they tapered off. Everybody started talking about video or whatever. And then they've reemerged in the last few years mm. because it's mm. a portable. Mm. It's a really nicely portable uh, format. 
And I think that, you know, people can download it when they're running, walking, driving, right. whatever, and just listen. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really a, a terrific thing. So I think you're going to see podcasts continue to to grow as well. What are the sorts of tips and advice you would give to brands that are not sure about this sector? And, and actually, I know a very well-known champagne brand that is very reluctant to invest in this sector when they should absolutely be all over it. But they've been somewhat deterred by media, social media, uh, bad publicity. Uh, and I, I almost want to change their opinion. Um, but what what's sort of some of the tips that you would be uh, suggesting to people not sure first you got to look at you got to look at your brand itself and you got to determine well where you know what are we doing right as a brand and what are we doing wrong as a brand or not as well as a brand in terms of marketing um, so step back and look at it from a higher level point of view and say well you know how can we better reach our constituency out there how can we better interact with our ideal customers mm. we can continue you know every brand whether it's a champagne brand or whatever i mean my father used to be in the liquor business so i'm very familiar with a lot of those brands and how they operate mm. um you know they advertise a lot right there's a lot of advertising whether it's print advertising it's you know tv advertising or whatever it happens online advertising even uh that's all great and it can convey a certain feeling about the brand but what's to separate your product from another product, right? And we all know that in the liquor industry, for instance, the competition is tremendous. Mm. So, uh, you know, when my father was in the business, I think there were probably like 10 different brands of vodka. I mean, today, I, there's probably several hundred. Absolutely. So the question then becomes, well, how do you distinguish your brand and your product from the competition? Uh, well, one of the best ways to do that is through people. And that's what influencer marketing is. It's mm. really just, it's yeah, just it systematized word of mouth marketing. Um, so I would do a few different things. Probably, uh, if I was the champagne brand, I would look to set up a camp, a test campaign with some influencers that, uh, you know, I identify whether it's with the help of an agency or consultant or something, that's fine. <clears throat> Start small. Mm. You don't have to go big. You know, there's all these media stories about, you know, consumer brands like L'Oreal and, you know, using 20,000 influencers. OK, well, they worked their way up to that. They didn't start with 20,000 influencers. Right. Yeah. They probably started with a dozen. So start small. Start with a dozen. Right. Work out a program that you think or a campaign that you think uh, would help reach your target market. Is that target market in the United States or is it in France? Is it in Germany? Is, you know, where is it? Is it in Japan? Um, figure that out and then work with influencers who reach those people. Uh, the biggest thing to make sure of though, is that the influencers are congruent with your product and your brand. Mm -hmm. So if you're a health brand, for instance, I remember I worked with a, uh, health supplement company. It was a digestive aid and they had contracted an agency to help them, uh, recruit some, uh, Facebook influencers and YouTube influencers to help market their product. And what the agency did was they just looked for health influencers and then put together a quick list and said, here are these people. Well, they, the company spent $50,000 on this program and got zero out of it. And mm -hmm. when they asked me to take a look at it, you know, it was immediately apparent that the influencers they had chosen were not congruent. You know, just because somebody talks about health doesn't mean that they're they're really, you know, they're gonna be listened to about digestive health, mm -hmm. for instance, Indeed. right? Yeah. For instance, 
What if they're talking about cardiac problems mostly? Maybe if their issue is cardiac or maybe their issue is eczema or their issue is, you know, there's all these different health issues, right, that a lot of people niche down in, and, and they talk about, these influencers talk about, because it directly impacts their life. So to me, you'd want to talk, uh, you'd want to find influencers that are directly related to the digestive health segment of, of the health sector. So that's what you'd want to do. You'd want to find influencers that are totally congruent and relevant, right? And that, you know, that way you can, you can really build a campaign that's going to resonate with your target market. Mm. So that's what, you know, that's what I would do. I'd start small research hire a consultant or an agency to help you parse through it all. Don't listen to the bad press, bad press sells, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, every morning on our local news, there's, you know, probably some story about the local apartment fire or shooting that happened the night before. Well, you know, do I, <laughs> if I, if I listened to all that, I wouldn't leave the house, yeah. right? <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Oh, so turn it off and, you know, just, there's great benefits to leaving the house. <laughs> yeah, no, no, for sure, for sure, yeah. I mean, I'll tell you what also it fascinates me is how influencer marketing is a great tool for disruptors and uh, new new startup businesses that don't necessarily have huge budgets. Um, I mean, I'm thinking of restaurants and bars in, in it's typical, uh, where actually even by just gifting uh, influencers meals or hotel nights or something or whatever it might well be is a great way to start sometimes and then you can build a bigger campaign on the back of it um, but as a fact I was speaking to somebody recently who's launched a vegan restaurant in in, um, in London and he used I think it was about uh, six or seven influencers and in terms of his return on investment it's been phenomenal in fact two or three of them have each provided something like around 20 30 bookings through their friends and through their own their own audience so uh, that's what i think is interesting isn't it where some sometimes other advertising media are going to have to spend a lot more money to get you know not not a lot back exactly so television advertising is mm. very expensive print yeah. advertising is very expensive yeah. and there you know you usually have to go through these intermediaries sometimes to be able to even do it. Mm. So, you know, you're paying a fee to them on top of whatever the, 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 the cost is to advertise in, in that media outlet. Now, with the influencers, you're going direct to, you know, essentially you're going Source. direct to your audience yeah. just through them. Yeah. Um, and the wonderful thing is, is that a startup company like that, like you, 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 you told me there, this, the little vegan restaurant, um, you know, that's an entrepreneur. So an entrepreneur can pull the trigger. Um, pretty quickly. They can assess, evaluate, and then pull the trigger. Hmm. Uh, that's where they have a real advantage. They're very nimble, right? And they can just start, boom, they can just start working with uh, a new marketing, you know, mar a marketing dynamic like influencers right away, where a bigger brand has to go through an assessment, right? Because there's more players involved, right? Nobody, yeah. It's not just like one person says, hey, we're going to go do this with these guys now. Let's do that. You know, there's a whole process they have to go through, yeah, right? Yeah. There's, there's, there's the vetting process, the onboarding process. I mean, there's, mm. you know, POs have to be cut, SOWs have to be submitted, right? So I mean, yeah. it's a lot more. They can't involved. turn the ship around so quickly, can they? So in a way, they can't. No. I mean, that's the other thing. They can't react as quickly to an opportunity that may exist where there's quite a lot of a, new, a big news story about something very specific, and an influencer campaign can kick in 
very, very quickly. And also, if you think about it, photo shoots, you know, how quickly, how quickly is it to get um, uh, stories together uh, versus, you know, hiring a studio, taking a film, film crew, which is what, you know, big advertising campaigns have to consider. Um, you know, well, we've got our iPhones, what, you know, and these are such great vehicles for influencers to be able to adapt super quick. Exactly. So that, so your restaurant example there, would you rather see some slick commercial about the restaurant or would you, that's, you know, obviously professionally shot or everything and everything else, or would you rather hear from somebody like you who goes in and maybe does a really quick video uh, with their iPhone mm. and posts it to their blog exactly. or their YouTube channel yeah, or their yeah. Instagram, make it an Instagram story. It's like, Hey man, that restaurant's just across town. Yeah. I can go check that out too. I think <laughs> I will. That looks really good, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's just you've got this this emotional connection <clears throat> because it's another person saying, "Wow, the food, you know, the, the the veggie burger here was terrific," right? I mean, it was like mm. eating meat. You know, I mean, it was hmm. it was wonderful. They make it on site. They have their own recipe. Hey, that sounds good. Mm. I think I'll go check that out, right? Yeah. Instead of a slick ad that's produced by some advertising yeah. firm, which they can be very effective too. Don't get me wrong, but it, it's a lot simpler and much more direct going through the influencer. Actually, you made a really good point because there there has been a bit of a kickback in the UK. I don't know if it's the same in the states, where overly uh, photo photo affected imagery has seen as being somewhat inauthentic, um, and I think consumers want that reality shot you know that want that genuine they, they they want to engage with somebody and they want to know that it's not it's not the oh so perfect picture you know uh that, that just doesn't look yeah. real and they can i think yeah. i think people are getting wise to it now actually aren't they um metrics i'm interested to hear about from you what do you think is the best ways to measure the effectiveness of so uh, influence marketing campaigns it all depends on your goal. So if the goal is to, if you're a new brand and nobody knows about you, well, then you're going to need to build awareness about your brand. So you're going to want to use metrics that reflect that. Um, if you're, if you're, you know, you're going to, if you're going to parse a little further and build brand consideration over other brands, well, now you're going to have to, you, you have to use a little different set of metrics. And then if you're going to measure leads, you know, if you're going to try to get leads and then, you know, hopefully sales, well, you know, you're going to use even different metrics from that. So the metrics get lumped into sort of one bucket when really they should be parsed out and looked at depending upon what your objective is, right? So, and I don't care. Here's something else, Gordon. I don't care what anybody says. I, every single brand out there, every single one, whether you're a startup or you're a Fortune 100 brand or whatever, <clears throat> you always have to be building awareness. Mm. It never stops. Building awareness is not, hey, we're going to build a cam you know, we're going to build awareness for one campaign, and then we're going to go do brand consideration, and then we're going to do leads. You could do it that way, but. Your, all of your campaigns are actually going to be building your brand or building awareness around your brand. So keep that in mind. So some of the top line metrics are always going to, you're always going to look at them. And I don't care what executive you talk to, 99.9% .9 of them are always going to want to see some of the top line metrics. They are. Mm -hmm. It's just, 
you know, how, you know, well, how, you know, how much engagement did we get? How much, you know, how much, how much was our content shared? How much was our content commented on? How, mm. you know, they're always going to care about that because we're human beings. Mm. And that's one of the ways that we evaluate success and failure is what is obviously seen in front of us. So, you know, if you're part of the in crowd and you're sitting at the lunch table with, you know, the popular people, you are perceived as being popular, right? Um, if you're not sitting at that table with them, you are perceived as not being popular. It's just a fact. Mm. So when social media metrics get involved in all of this, or vanity metrics as they're called today, uh, yeah, I mean, they are, they are to a large degree just vanity. But at the same time, I don't think they should ever be completely discounted because there is value to that. Uh, and it's in the brand awareness category, right? Mm -hmm. So if people are liking and sharing and commenting, engaging your content or, or, or your content via influencers, that's positive for you, right? So again, when you're thinking about the metrics, the metrics are, are directly tied to the objective. So if you're driving leads, well, now I'm gonna wanna see, okay, who's engaging with the content via the influencer? Are they going to this landing page? Are they giving their email address? Are they watching the video? You know, let's say it's a webinar. Are they watching the, the webinar? How much are they watching the webinar before they drop off, right? What percentage of them see it all the way through? You know, how many of them are turning into uh, sales leads, right? Qualified sales leads. So you've got to go, you've got to, you've got to look at the entire funnel that you set up for that mm, particular campaign and, and you've got to measure every aspect of it. I think today, unfortunately, because of platforms like Instagram and a lot of the brouhaha or the, the hoopla that gets talked about in the media there um, is all centered around, well, just get some inf Instagram influencers, promote your stuff, have a link, and then drive to a sales page and then boom, they're all going to buy. Well, you know, yeah, ideally that would be the way it works, but you know, there are drop-offs throughout the sales funnel every step of the way. So you're going to want to see what, where the, where the gaps are, where is it failing, right? Mm. Maybe, maybe some of your, maybe some of your copy has to be changed, right? Or maybe, you know, how you talk about your product or service has to be altered a bit. Uh, maybe you got to, maybe you got to work with uh, the influencers a little more closely to brief them better about but that's know, another good thing that's great is in a sense that you can change some of that part way through a campaign which you perhaps couldn't in many other forms of media um you can re-pivot you can change copy um you know as i say part way through can't you that can actually yeah. cement the gaps that you've just alluded to yeah i mean maybe it's the call to action mm. you know does the call to action need to be improved yeah right uh, what are you giving away, right? What what kind of content, are you, what kind of value are you providing uh, up front through the influencers? What What is it? it maybe that isn't enough, mm. right? Maybe mm. it's not enough. Mm. Um, so it, 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 again, it depends on the objective of your campaign and that's, the, and you're going to look at metrics that matter to that campaign. The other thing I'll say about metrics is uh, a lot of top line metrics get talked about in the media and on blogs and whatever else. And, you know, gurus telling you, well, you should be looking at these KPIs and, and, and whatnot. Well, all I could say is just take those KPIs 
and then bring them back inside your organization and say, which of these matter to us? Which, you know, how do we measure things in our other camp marketing campaigns? How are we measuring things there? And see if you can make, you know, make those measurements work for your influencer campaign too. So make sure that the, the measurement and the metrics matter to your business. And, and that's going to alter a little bit from business to business and campaign to campaign. So that's really, really critical. That's why I, I say if you should spend you know, 80% of your time up front on a campaign as opposed to in the campaign itself, mm. if you spend 80% of your time up front putting together a quality campaign. You mean in the, you know, research, in the research process? and The, the research yeah, process. Yeah. The, you know, what are we trying to achieve here? Make sure the goals are real clear. What influencers do we want to try to recruit into our campaign, right? And why? Um, choose them carefully, right? Select, be selective. So, you know, all, if, so if, if you put a lot of upfront work into it, the campaign itself tends to go a lot more smoothly in my experience. Influence, the global podcast that shines a spotlight on the influencer marketing industry. So that's it for another edition of Influence. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Don't forget to subscribe and listen to our other episodes. And as always, we welcome your feedback. So from me, Gordon Glenister, goodbye.